0: Welcome to Two Brothers in Their Sports. I'm your co-host, Aro. And I'm your other co-host, Arsh. And today on the show, we have a lot to talk about. We are finally together. We're going to start off by discussing the round of 16, which is the first round of the elimination rounds in the FIFA Women's World Cup. We're going to be discussing that and give our predictions for who will advance. We're also going to be talking about the first NFL game that took place this season. It was a Hall of Fame game between the Jets and the Browns, Aaron Rodgers obviously on the Jets, um, and it was just the first preseason game of the season, so we're going to be talking about that. And finally, we're going to end by talking about the MLB trade deadline, who we think won, some some of the teams and players that won, what the implications are for the main players that got traded and their teams but let's get started with the FIFA Women's World Cup I'm gonna start off there's let's start with the first two matches that if they go head to head or the first two matches and the winners go head to head so the w- first one is Switzerland versus Spain first game of the round of 16. I think Spain's going to win here. They are the favorite at the moment, but they are just a stronger team, more aggressive, and I think that Switzerland is also a favorite to win, but I think this matchup is going to be really close. I think Spain can pull it out 2-1, to one. and then Netherlands versus South Africa. Netherlands, a very, very big favorite in the World Cup. I think that Netherlands is going to win single-handedly. I think it'll be 3-0, 4-0, something crazy like that, and that puts Netherlands versus Spain in the next round.
1: Yeah. So I'll go with Switzerland and Spain. I'm going to go with Spain here. I think that just Spain is going to be a better team overall. One of the best team recent history for both men and women's uh, national team soccer. Um, And then Netherlands, South Africa. I'm also going to go Netherlands here. Uh, so it'll be Netherlands and Spain, like you said.
0: Yep. All right. Next is um, it's Japan versus Norway and then Sweden versus USA. So Japan versus Norway. I'm going to ha- have to go with Japan here. Um, but then Sweden, USA. Again, we were talking about this last week. The gap between the U.S. and other teams is definitely decreasing in terms of strength in the World Cup. But I do think that the USA is going to possibly 3 P. You'll figure it out later if I, say, if I agree with that or not. But I do think they're going to be able to beat Sweden here. So I have Sweden versus Japan. I mean, sorry, USA versus Japan in the next round.
1: Yeah, so for me, I'm actually going to choose Norway beating Japan. Yes, Japan has been a powerhouse in women's soccer in, on, on the World Cup stage for the past couple of years, but I think that Norway's been. Uh, Norway and uh, the Netherlands, I believe, were in the same division. They were competing for that first spot. Um, Norway is very competitive, and I think that there's a chance that they can go and steal a game from Japan, which is eliminations, right? This is all that matters. So I'm going to actually go with Norway here. And then I'm going to have to agree with you. Yes, we talked about this last week. The, the gap with the United States and other countries is now getting a lot smaller, and we said this before the game against Portugal, I believe, where they tied and they almost got knocked out of the tournament, right? So, yes, the gap has definitely been closing, but I do agree with
0: you here. I do think they can make it past this round. Yeah. All right, next up is Australia-Denmark. I think this is going to be a really, really good game. Um, Sam Kerr is back for Australia, and it's, they're making their second appearance ever in World Cup history. Um, I do do think this is going to be one of the really, really close games here. We know how powerful Denmark is, but Sam Kerr on that Australia team is crazy. I am going to have to go with Denmark, though. I think Denmark is just—we know how great they are. Um, Sam Kerr, I think, being back is—again, I say this a lot—one of the best players, if not the best player, in women's soccer right now. Um, But, again, coming off a Catherine, is tough. The team has a lot of chemistry already, and they're underdogs, massive underdogs. So I have them losing, unfortunately. And then France versus Morocco. Morocco, you talked about it. You predicted in the Men's World Cup them beating Portugal and making it pretty far. But in this one, I have them losing first round, first round exit here against France.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go... Uh, with Australia actually beating Denmark. Yes, they're underdogs. And I don't really think it comes down to Sam Kerr, right? It's not just her that's carrying the team. Australia is just a very good national team and I do think that they can pull off Uh. this upset. So I have them beating Denmark here. And then France-Morocco, I do have uh, France winning that. I don't think that Morocco's going to have an upset here as well. And then finally, Colombia and Jamaica. Jamaica has found a way to be able to make it into uh, into the round of 16, which is a really great achievement, but for me, I've got Colombia winning it. I just don't think that Jamaica can hold up any longer.
0: Yeah, me too, and you skipped the game. England-Nigeria. Um, I'm going to have to go with England in that one, and then the winner plays the winner of Columbia-Jamaica. I think Colombia wins that. So my eight teams and moving wait, on. Wait, wait, and then I've also got England. So for me, the eight teams that make it are gonna be Spain, Netherlands, Japan, USA, Denmark, France, England, and Colombia. Yeah, and then for me,
1: I've got Spain beating Switzerland, I've got Norway beating Japan, the Netherlands beating South Africa, the United States beating Sweden, England beating Nigeria, and then Australia beating Denmark, and then Colombia beating Jamaica, and then I've got
0: France finally beating Morocco. All right, now let's move on to the first NFL game, which was between the Jets and the Cleveland Browns. The Jets obviously just acquired Aaron Rodgers, so we're going to be talking about that because it's such a big storyline and the Hall of Fame game, first game of the 2023-24 NFL season. Arsh, why don't you take it away?
1: Yeah, so obviously, like you said, uh, Jets and Browns. I think for me, the most uh, cool part was seeing the quarterback battle. So for the Jets, obviously, Zach Wilson's there. He played most of the game. But then you also had Aaron Rodgers actually calling plays, and we'll get to one of his big plays with Zach Wilson. But then you've also got for the Browns, uh Monda, as well as Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who really played great. So I'll start off with the Jets. Zach Wilson... Very good first game, I think, first game back. Yes, he did not throw for a touchdown, but I do think that he can get back into the groove. And everyone has hated on Josh, uh, on... Zach Wilson but I really do think he does have a backup role in this league it's not going to be like what we thought he was with the number two overall pick but he definitely can be a very good backup he's young he's got good legs he can throw the ball he can really do everything he just can't do it at a very high level right he's just not made for the NFL and so as a starter at that kind of uh, productivity so I've got him Uh, doing pretty well this year as a backup. If they ever need him to go in, he will be a very good replacement. So I've got him there slated out of having a very good game. Obviously, I haven't seen too much, but I have him high up on my list, and then moving to the Browns, let's just talk about the quarterbacks for now, for me at least. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, love what he's done, love what he did at UCLA, and the fact that he was a late-round draft pick and has had a a chip on his shoulder and did very well last night uh, and actually uh, threw a touchdown is pretty cool, so... I do like that. I think he can also be a very good backup. Hopefully he can win that role to be the backup to Deshaun Watson, maybe even eventually overtake him. Although with Deshaun Watson's contract, I don't know how feasible benching that kind of guy with that much guaranteed money is going to be.
0: Yeah, so I'll start off with the Jets. I think, first off, their defense was pretty good here. They only allowed 21 points. Granted, it was third string versus third string or second string versus second string, whatever. Still equal level. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. The point is that the Jets team allowed a very few amount of points, and with Aaron Rodgers there, that's like 21 points is very overcomable. Um, I think that for them, first of all, Zach Wilson looked terrible, really, really bad. His first play of the game, his first completion was not great. His second, I remember watching late, or mid-first mid, mid first quarter, he scrambled out on a third and two or third and three, something like that. So straight up just fell at the line of scrimmage. Then, the one play that he actually had a, com- like a big completion on, which was 57 of his 55 yards, his other two catches, his other two completions went for negative five yards. Yeah, the, but... Or negative two yards, sorry. The 57-yard completion was... Um, called up by Aaron Rodgers himself.
1: That doesn't so, change anything, though. That was a dime. That was a very good pass. Okay, it was a good and pass, I but think Zach Zach slowly, Wilson was known for that coming
0: out of BYU. That's the only thing he was known
1: the for. The guy got into his rhythm and slowly, like it, no one's going to be a star in the first game, right? It's yeah, but Zach Wilson was a number two overall up. pick. Like, I get that? you are dueling against Kellen Mond, well, who he's, was like a sixth round. He's pick. not really the second overall pick anymore, right? Right? At this, I point, understand. I understand. He but still, uh, well,
0: the point is Zach Wilson did not look great at all. He had one completion, and it was just it was a beautiful ball, but everything else was not great. Tim Boyle was not great. Six completions for 61 yards. Chris Strugler was not great either, um, but I do think that the Jets have some hope. Their defense showed signs of life, especially Bryce Huff, first, in the first possession of the game, got a sack, recorded a sack. He had the second highest win rate out of any defensive player last year, and he was a second string defensive lineman for them. So he is a guy that I expect to get big minutes this year. Then you talked about Dorian Thompson Robinson already. Tommy Dorian Thompson Robinson already, but I loved I loved just seeing after the game Aaron Rodgers go up to him and give him his flowers because man he had 82 yards a touchdown I uh cool. he didn't throw a pick Kellen Mond threw that pick but still I love Kellen Mond there too by the way Kellen Mond's a great backup yeah um but I do think that the Browns team is very deep we saw we literally we saw um Demetric Felton get loose a couple times, seven for 46, and a touchdown. We saw Kellen Mond complete a bunch of beautiful balls. He had that one along the sideline. That would have been like a 20-yard completion, hit his receiver right in the face mask. A guy that I want to
1: see do better for the Browns is Anthony Schwartz. I think they had big hopes for him signing him out of Kansas City, and he did not have a great
0: game That's true. Anthony Schwartz has not been great at all for the past two years. I think that's something that's... He really has to improve on himself, but the point is, I was really, really excited to see f- football on in general. Like, I, I get yeah. it; it was a Hall yeah. of Fame game. There was, there, it's not like the last preseason game where starters are going to get minutes. It was literally just to induct players into the Hall of Fame. So, twenty-one to sixteen was the final score. Browns did end up pulling out a comeback win, but it was it was really satisfying to me after training camp and after hearing all this news, seeing an NFL game on TV, and especially a team that had Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers coaching the quarterback zach wilson during that game was really really awesome to see so um i love i love that i just can't wait for nfl season any longer i mean i know we got a month but still i cannot wait all right our final topic is going to be the mlb trade deadline we're going to be talking about some of the biggest trades and acquisitions so let's start off with max Scherzer going to the texas rangers this was might have been the earliest trade the biggest trade that happened the earliest on so he got traded to the rangers i think that the first off for the rangers very good, they're getting a guy that that is is a good pitcher um didn't didn't pan out for the Mets like he wanted to, but I think that he is going to be a factor for them. He was on the mound last night and he played pretty well. I think that him going to the Rangers again for that organization they have a face a guy that won a World Series is the face of can now be the face of that pitching of that pitching like group. I love that for the Rangers, so I think that it's a very good acquisition for them
1: yeah so. I think this deal is all right for the Rangers. Um, they're kind of been, they've been in limbo, right? Are they rebuilding? Are they going for a championship? I don't think it's either, and that's kind of the problem. They don't have a great bullpen. He's definitely going to do great things there, but is it really going to matter for how the Rangers? Much, how, how
0: Yeah, how much are they going to be in contention?
1: Exactly. I think it might just be a little wasteful, and, and the same thing that happened with the Mets might happen in this next year or in a couple of years, right? He's going to want to be out of there, and it's, it's not going to be a great trade for him. So I don't think that there's going to be success for him or for the Rangers, and the Mets didn't get that much back. So really, a lose-lose kind of everywhere. Max Scherzer was probably the most valuable to the Mets, but he obviously didn't want to be there anymore. Um, And then let's go to the other big pitching one. I know this might be a little out of order, but the other big pitching move, Justin Verlander gets traded back to the Houston Astros. That's a pretty crazy trade, If You can start
0: on that. Yeah, so Justin Verlander, obviously, going back to the Houston Astros, first off, we know his dominance there, and I think that it really shows that the Astros are, are committed to him, and and obviously this trade shows that, but we knew this before. Justin Verlander was our main clo- closer in like in terms of the po- in postseason. He was our main pitcher. He was a the guy they always went to, even when they had Garrett Cole there, especially, you remember that Yankee series yeah. and then the World Series that they won. So the point is... They've loved Justin Verlander. The Astros obviously couldn't wait any longer to get him back. I do think that the prospects they gave up first and fourth might be a little much, considering the fact that Justin Verlander is close to 40, if not already. I can't remember the exact number. So you're going to probably get one, maybe one and a half total good seasons out of him. Total. And that's, that's including probably over three, four years span if he decides to pitch that much. And then you don't even know what his production is going to be like. So I think that for the Astros... I think they just wanted him back. They know he always performs well there, and they know that they need someone. They need a good pitcher. To Obviously, they just had a no-hitter pitch, but still, they need another good pitcher in that rotation so that after that, they're not just slumping. So I like it for the Astros. I don't like what they gave up in, lo- in the long term because now they don't have a lot of their great prospects, but for Verlander and for the Astros right now, it's good for both.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think it's a great place for Vailander to go back to. That's the place that, where he became basically a legend. Um, and I think by being a closer, I think you mean he was just their main. I, I, didn't go-to, I didn't mean closer. Yeah. I didn't mean yeah. I didn't like, mean closer. I meant like the most
0: dominant pitcher on that rotation.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he was great. Garrett Cole was like 19-0, 19-1 at one point. But yes, you're right. In the postseason, it was Justin Verlander they relied on. It was always And it's been like that. So they get him back. They're still a contending team. They've still got Altuve there. I think they have Bregman there, if I'm not wrong. So very good team. Still can contend. But yes, I agree. They did give up a lot. But maybe it's worth it, right? This guy has been good for so long. He could still be good for three, maybe four more years, if not more. Um so I think he Whoa, can be Well that's all that's I think that I think that's true He's already 40 I get that but I still think that he has that much left in the tank Pitchers, you can be a little bit older. And
0: Verlander has never shown any sign of declining. In fact, you could probably argue, and I think you'd agree Except with this. Except injuries. He's, he's still... never shown... In terms of production, but the thing is, he produces less often because he's not on the field as much, and he's out for most of the season, and he still need excited to year. a big contract. Yes, he has. He's been injured a lot of the year. Well, okay, but I think that's just... It's not because he's getting
1: older, right? He's not getting... In my opinion, the, the fact is... Is I it think, low then? I think, yes. I think you could argue that he's been the he's still in his peak,
0: right? The well, guy the guy has a chance to win well, the Cy it's, Young if it's next year. Well, if it's his load, that's even worse because the Astros are trading... At that point, they're trading more for a guy that's going to play less that's
1: than. That's fine, that's fine. I get what you're saying. The point is, I don't, I don't think the injury has any correlation to how he's going to be played, and if he still gets played a lot, I don't think he's going to be as injured next year. He's shown that, that he's been able to be consistent. Yes, he's been injured some of the years of, of his career, and yes, it's been some of the more recent years, but in my opinion, I think he can be consistent, and he won't be injured in the next couple years with the Astros. That's my point, point. and yeah. the fact is that the guy is very consistent. He's been consistently winning the Cy Young at, as he gets older and older, and he has a chance to win the Cy Young this upcoming year if he can stay healthy, which I do think he can. So I, I think it's a great move. They just had uh, one of their young pitchers pitch a no-hitter, yeah. right? They've got great pitchers there, um, and, and it's going to be a great team no matter what. But the fact that they got Justin Berlander back is your new ace, no matter who you've had there. Justin Berlander is the ace on any team in
0: the MLB right? Uh, I don't know if that's true, but then finally, let's talk about Jack Flaherty, who got traded from the St. Louis Cardinals and is now on the Baltimore Orioles. First off, I love this trade, getting Jack Flaherty on a possible contender. Um, also, we know that the Orioles are, they before they all-star break, they were well-positioned to make a postseason run. They were one of the contenders to make a late postseason run. So the adding, adding Jack Flaherty to their rotation and a guy that is, has always been great especially the, or not always but this season in all of his appearances has been great is good for the Orioles they don't have any really really good pitchers standout pitchers at the moment so that'll be good for them it'll also improve their team overall obviously as expected allowing less runs they have to score less runs to win and I think it'll help them get back to that postseason form that they were at before they've dipped, the, they've dipped a little bit but I think they can come back up with this addition I hate this move, and I hate
1: it wow. because the Yankees are going to suffer. I love it for the Orioles. I think it's a great great idea, right? They're going to make a very big run at the AL East title. No, I don't think that there's going to be other teams that can compete, especially not the Yankees. The Yankees' chances get just got lowered. And if you guys didn't know, we're huge Yankees fans, right? Yeah. They've been horrible this year, according to the rest mm, of the Not teams. horrible, but it, they've been pretty in, bad. In...
0: Relation to their past yes. years, no,
1: yeah. uh, their past years, are also in comparison to the AL East, okay, they are the worst yes, in the yes, AL East, yes, and yes, to Yankees fans and to Yang- the Yankees organization, that is horrible. Yeah, um, it's the first time they've done that in years. Yeah, but anyway, um, great move by the Orioles. I think it's going to help propel their chances to make a deep run, like you said. They definitely could use help at pitching, and that's going to be a great uh, arm to their rotation. So I really like this move, and I I hate it as a Yankees fan, but if I was an Orioles fan, I'd be very excited.